0: Hey folks, Brian here. Today we have a really special guest um, on the show. We also have a really fun topic to talk about. We are talking about Star Wars and Dungeons and Dragons and how Star Wars just is really a fantasy genre set in space. But today with me, I have a very special friend. Introduce yourself to the folks in the audience so that they know that
1: you're real, sir. Hi, Brian, I'm Scott Baltman, and some of you might know me from What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast over on the Fandom Podcast Network, and some of you might know me from GaryCon when Brian and I were lucky enough to participate with a big group of gamers in a meat grinder game for Dungeons & Dragons. A fellow friend of ours, uh, Jason, had reached out and said, hey, Scott, do you and Brian want to be part of this game? And I said, are you kidding me? I am totally in. Then I found out that Jason was going to be the Dungeon Master and I decided maybe I'm not in. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's he's the best. I, I taught him everything he knows back in college in the 1990s about dungeon mastering. And uh, Brian, it's so great to get to be on your show after after all this time. Uh, you know I we have hung out at it. conventions and all, but it's great to be a guest. I appreciate it. No, it's
0: great having you. And honestly, um, any time that I get to talk uh, to fellow nerds about D and D and Star Wars at the same time, it's uh, actually you're the first one. So um you're the first one on the podcast to talk about this but um one thing a really quick kind of background so you've been playing you you know you mentioned that you and Jason from Critical Dice have been playing for a long time was Dungeons and Dragons kind of the first introduction uh, to tabletop role-playing or were you involved in other uh systems
1: so uh the first tabletop role-playing game Kind of thing that I ever got to do at a friend's house back in the 1980s in uh, middle school was Hero Quest. Which was an old nice. Milton Bradley board game that is basically Dungeons and Dragons without us having to pay the copyright to Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> uh, because you have pre-made characters that are all the classic roles and classes: a barbarian, a fighter, a wizard, a priest, etc. Uh, and then there's one player who sits at the far end of the board with a literal screen with the a- wizened wizard guy on it and he sits behind (laughs) the screen and has statistics for all of these monsters that he controls and then surprise surprise when you do combat you roll dice and you check the chart to see what happened it might have been dungeons and dragons they just didn't want to call it that but yeah um then in the 1990s specifically 1991 i played Mm -hmm. my first game of quote the real thing and i had I have been a fan ever since. But, you know, because this was 1991, uh, my dad is a retired Southern Baptist minister, and I had to clandestinely play Dungeons and Dragons for many years. My dad still doesn't think it's a great idea, but at least he's a little more calm with it now that I'm in my 40s and, uh, you know, have my own kids. Uh, But he still occasionally gives me the side eye when I tell him I was playing D&D or whatnot. Um, Luckily, the the hobby has moved well past that stigma. Uh, And I think one of the the reasons that role-playing games and fantasy hobbies and genre in general have moved past that stigma of it's evil, it's satanic, it's something you shouldn't do is because of the mainstream success of films like Star Wars and the whole Star Wars Skywalker saga. Uh, Don't you think, Brian? I 100% agree with that.
0: And you know, you you mentioned with and again thank you for clarifying with the Star Wars saga. Um it's, yeah. you know, and the Skywalker saga. It's, exactly. it's very much a different thing because you have films who you know, like Rogue One, great film. We were just talking about it earlier, where I personally believe that Rogue One is the is a war film set in the Star Wars universe, and the Star Wars franchise itself is one of those things where it is a fantasy setting at the end of the day. It is a fantasy setting. And yes, it may be in space in a quote unquote future, but it's still a fantasy setting.
1: And Absolutely. And you know, a, a big thing that makes it where folks like us who are big Dungeons and Dragons fans and big Star Wars fans, we could easily see that the two properties share a lot of DNA. And that's mm-hmm. because of one, that's because of one man, and that is J.R.R. Tolkien, because yeah. George Lucas credited Tolkien with influencing him a lot for Star Wars, also yeah. credited the people behind Flash Gordon for influencing him a lot with Star Wars. Mm -hmm. But you know who else credits Tolkien with being a big influence on their work? That's, of course, the late, great Gary Gygax, the guy who created Dungeons & Dragons along with Dave Arneson. So both Gygax and Lucas understood Mm -hmm. that Tolkien kind of set the groundwork for what they were doing. But really, they all have that basis in mythology, which is why we call Star Wars modern-day mythology
0: very true and that's something that um i noticed that the the and and it's something also we we find with comic books right you know that is the modern day mythology of the america uh, of the united states in -hmm. the regards of that's where it kind of that was the birthplace of it but and i'm glad you brought up tolkien tolkien was one of those you know big influences in my life Mm -hmm. but I also noticed that from a Star Wars perspective too, like you have a lot of the same type of notion, not necessarily um, the black and white good versus evil. Yes, there is that there, you know, with Darth Vader as the quote unquote clear bat, you know, evil villain. Um, But then you have the intricacies of Vader, right? You have the fact that, he is living with such a guilt for what he has done, mm-hmm. yeah. and the audience doesn't know that <clears throat> until episodes one through you know three, where yeah. you see the development of Darth Vader, and you see the development of this character that is struggling with this thing, which is the Jedi are supposed to be these not necessarily you know. Yes, they're peacekeepers, but they're supposed to have a symbiotic relationship with the Force. Yeah. And The Force is supposed to, um, again, they're kind of like clerics, maybe, maybe paladins, even if you're mm-hmm. converting it to a, you know, D and D or fantasy, um, or rather medieval fantasy uh, language, where they're they have this oath to adhere to their beliefs. They have the belief in the Force, and that all these things would essentially you know, be a part of the force. However, they get distracted, so to speak, with the rulings of the Republic, with the things that are going on in the Galactic Republic, and it distracts them. And, you know,
1: when yeah. we look at Vader's backstory there in episodes one, two, and three, it rounds out the character so much more. I mean, you know, we refer to the main story arc in the Skywalker, the uh, Star Wars universe as the Skywalker saga. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people at first blush, you think that's going to be talking about Luke. But really, it's about Anakin uh, sure. and his, his journey. And there isn't as much of a shades of gray type of thing in the original star wars film what we know mm-hmm. now is episode four a new hope but yep. there is a tiny hint that something more has been going on when vader and obi-wan meet each other on the death star very and they, true they talk to each other like they know each other and there's a history there and there's a little tidbit of it in the beginning of the film mm-hmm. when luke is on the moisture farm talking to his uncle and aunt and he gets upset and leaves the dinner table and his aunt says he's not gonna be happy here there's too much of his father in him and uh, uncle owen says that's what i'm afraid of and yeah. i'm like oh what does that mean and you know we had to wait four more years to find yeah. out yeah. and uh yeah but the but the cool thing about that is you look at it and you see you get such a a, a stark contrast between vader's evil mm-hmm. and obi-wan's uh goodness because Vader is behaving selfishly and Obi-Wan behaves literally selflessly in that film and his noble sacrifice on the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just the beginning of, you know, knocking over all those dominoes for that story. And that idea is so fun to incorporate into your own character in games like Dungeons & Dragons, which is why I like the fact that fifth edition D&D right now, here in the year 2020, is has put a lot of emphasis on when you make your character, Focus on your background yep. and your ideals and your flaws and so on and so forth because it not only gives you more role-playing hooks, but in, in this version of the game, more so than in some older versions of the game because I've played them all, uh, it gives you added abilities. Where mm-hmm. you come from, who yeah. your parents were, that helps define you, not just in your, your actions, but in the things that you're good at. And For Luke sure. Skywalker had to deal with the same concept. Who he came from informed you know how he reacted to the world around him and what he was good at doing that's
0: and and 100% because then we also look at you know the general herself leia mm-hmm. and how she inherited from her mother she inherited this well she inherited from both parents right the strong mm-hmm. nature their you know she inherited a little bit more the political aspect of um uh, of Queen Amidala, you know, of Padme, yes. where she, yes. you know, ad, you know, Padme was a strong woman who essentially didn't care. You know, look at Clone Wars, right? Episode, you know, episode two, where you have, you know, she, you know, they, the whole, the the notion of, oh, uh, aggressive negotiations, like yes. that, that whole part. Yeah. And, you know, she's, she takes a blaster and she starts, you know, shooting and and basically engaging with the enemy and it's something that leia did leia and you know that's one from episode four you know through episode really with the latest you know episode nine where you see clips of her but you see that i mean one specific area that i i wish we could see a little bit more we see this obviously in legends but (laughs) leia with her lightsaber
1: yes yeah And I think one of the coolest parts of The Rise of Skywalker was that moment where uh, Ray gets the other lightsaber, and eventually, uh, she, you know, Ben has it, he uses it for a bit. And then at the end, when she's fighting Palpatine, uh, I guess, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen The Rise of Skywalker, True. when she's fighting Palpatine, she <clears throat> forms the sign of the cross, everybody, and yeah. uses it to defeat evil by, uh, you know, <laughs> reflecting his hatred back at him. Right. I couldn't ask for a better, more cinematic, more fraught with symbolism, meaning, and, uh, It's also a perfect uh, example of of something that I that we do as dungeon masters often Mm -hmm. in D anD D. We have that that weapon of destiny, that totem, that item of power, that token token of inheritance. That uh, when you get it, it's it's just as much physical or magical power as it is symbolic power. You know, Rey was taking that symbolically taking that power into herself, and then and then literally takes that power on at the end of the film when she declares that she is a Skywalker. And, you know, shuffles off her her past, you know. How did you like that part when she declared herself a Skywalker? Uh, It's beautiful. I mean, I'm I'm a believer. I know that you're a believer, Brian. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for me, it was a wonderful continuation of how Star Wars has always had those spiritual overtones. And in this case, it exemplifies a very Christian concept of adoption through uh you know propitiation so yeah. uh, she becomes adopted into that family that family that she and her eyes from which her savior came because she looks at mm. luke as her savior you know and so by adopting that family name it's like when we as believers get adopted into the family of christ right yeah so he, he says you're now my brothers and sisters and so uh ray has made herself uh if not brother or sister but you know niece or, or daughter or at least it's ex- you know a part of the skywalker family and within the realm of of Star Wars' own mythology, taking on a name is a big deal. Uh, yes. And so Ray continues that tradition of hey, my real name is Ray Skywalker. Whereas, you know, we see Leia get adopted. So that was an earlier version of adoption as a theme in Star Wars. Leia mm-hmm. got adopted by Bail Organa and his wife. And so she, adop- she took on their last name for a while. Yep. And that, to me, is another example of how the Force has a plan for people in Star Wars if for they sure. are willing to be open to it. Uh, and that is exemplified in Leia's arc, I think. Uh, just like a DD and d character, when you level up and you gain experience and you get new skills and new contacts. Yep. When she was adopted by Bela uh, Organa, Organa, it was to me the force putting her where she needed to be to A, be safe from the empire for a while mm-hmm. and, and B, become more uh, adept at that diplomacy and that governance and that leadership because she inherited all that from her mom, Amidala, as we just talked about. For sure. But when you get raised by one of the greatest senators in all of galactic history, you take on more of that uh, diplomacy skill. It's a little bit of nature versus nurture argument here. I don't want to get too highfalutin. But uh, it's definitely a case of the Force put her in the place where she needed to be to get those skills. And uh, you you can see the fruit of that in the sequel trilogy. And a lot of the sequel trilogy era novels where Leia is just a wonderful leader of people, a leader of men, you know.
0: And, and I'm glad you brought that up because something that we as storytellers, world builders, game masters, however you want to you know, label yourself, we, we often forget that, it is a very, that, that storytelling is very simple. Star Wars does a great job at showing the simple story. There's a, a young boy who has a destiny and is going to be trained, you know, basically, there is this evil in this world, you know, there's Mm -hmm. this thing, and this young boy has a fight in the game, he, you know, he has something to give, something to say about it all, Yep. he can join this fight, or he cannot, he can just simply just continue to be in, uh, you know, that's, you know, on Tatooine, which I think is, you know, when in, in Rise of Skywalker, when she, and again, spoiler alerts, people, for those of you who <laughs> maybe did not see it, you know, when she's looking at the twin sons mm-hmm. and it all goes back to that. It all goes back to that scene when Luke is, you know, kind of pondering his life and pondering his place in the world and game masters facilitate that. We facilitate, especially fifth edition, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, fifth edition does a great job at asking the player who are you yeah you know know, who do you see yourself as and from there it builds the world around the character not around combat not around this or that it Mm -hmm. builds it around that person star wars did that i feel at least that it built a world around who is, you know, it asks the question, who's Anakin Skywalker? Yeah. Who is, you know, who is this slave boy that, you know, basically, and again, some people can believe the rumors. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is canon or not, but there's a particular comic book issue where uh, Anakin as Darth Vader is going through like different dark side visions and he sees, you know, Shmi, his mom being manipulated by the, by the emperor using the dark side of the force to essentially conceive Anakin. So I don't know. So if I, you-
1: I, can, I can answer this for you right now, because we've talked about it on What a Piece of Junk, our Star Wars podcast over on the Fandom Podcast Network. We got a tweet from Charles Sule, the author of that particular comic book. Uh, because this is from I think three years ago now uh, the okay. Marvel Comics Darth Vader series that was relaunched back when, when Disney took over Star Wars and mm-hmm. Marvel was able to bring Star Wars back in house because for a long time throughout the 1990s Star Wars comic books were published by Dark Horse Comics yep. some really great stuff that is now Legends canon but you know if you're on Comicsology or one of those other digital apps as we're all suffering through the quarantine here for COVID-19 yeah. uh, you can download really great Dark Horse comics for some excellent yeah, Star Wars can. comic book stories but, in in that issue we see vader in vader's castle on mustafar is having a vision of palpatine standing behind his pregnant mother waving his hands over her belly and and almost invisibly you know Mm. and charles Soule has said this is not to say that palpatine caused her to conceive the force caused her to conceive but what happened was palpatine manipulated the energies around anakin's life so that he would know when he was coming up when and when he would know and so that palpatine would know when he had the opportunity to take him away from tatooine and start influencing him to become his apprentice uh because palpatine one of his biggest powers in the force uh much like the the, uh the cleric spell clairvoyance, right? You get to see what's coming down the pike, as it were. You get to see what's happening, uh, one of many possible futures, uh, an augury, if you will. Uh, And that's one of Palpatine's greatest dark side powers, uh, because he's the eternal Sith Emperor at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. If you play Star Wars The Old Republic, speaking of role-playing games, uh, he is Emperor Valkorian you know, reincarnated or continued on. And he tried to do that again in The Rise of Skywalker with Rey. But uh, anyway, Palpatine's ability to see the potential futures is mm-hmm. one of his strongest powers. And so he uses it often throughout the Clone Wars and the Galactic Civil War to put himself at the right spot to yeah. take advantage of that. Um, of course, sometimes it it doesn't always go the way he expected because, as Yoda taught us, always in motion the future is, right? <laughs> exactly. And so... When you see episode three, Palpatine knew he needed to be on that flagship with General Revis, you know, capturing him so that Anakin and Obi-Wan would come rescue him. But if you watch his face as they crash toward Coruscant in in Revenge of the Sith, you can see maybe not all of this was happening exactly as he had foreseen. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, 100%. Because, you know, he needed to be there in order to say his famous, do it. Like exactly, he, you know, to, he needed to, to be there. Yep. Yeah, he needed to be there to tell Anakin to kill, you know, or to yeah, to tell Anakin to kill Count Dooku.
1: Yes. Yeah, so when Darth Tyrannus gets beheaded, who, oh, by the way, Tyrannus also was really good at seeing possible futures, but Christopher Lee may he rest in peace, did such an amazing job in that scene of looking over at Palpatine like, what the, this was not the plan, but he knows that he's doomed at that point, you know, yeah. and so uh, I think, so yeah, but, but Charles Soule who wrote that Marvel comic has come out on Twitter and said, no, this is not trying to say that Palpatine is Anakin's father, so, okay, you know, so rest assured, that was not the message of that panel, you know. Awesome, no, well, that actually kind of gives me comfort because I've been beating my head and thinking, wow, like, what's, you know, what is this like what's going on here what are they trying to say no no see the dark side was powerful through palpatine at that point in time and so as snoke taught us in the last jedi the dark rises and the light to meet it so anakin was the, the he was the answer to that prophecy he was the chosen one uh to 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 bring balance to the force and a lot of people say well he didn't bring balance because he became evil and whatnot well he brought balance by virtue of Producing Luke and Leia as offspring, and mm-hmm. in such a way that they would then do their great heroic feats, you know. And if you think
0: about it, he kind of literally did it too, right? He brought all the Jedi. There was two Jedi, or mm-hmm. you know, obviously there was kind of random Jedi in hiding, but there were the, the instead of ten thousand Jedi, they mm-hmm. were maybe under a hundred, and then two Sith. Yes, exactly. So, so if you want to look at it from a numbers perspective maybe he brought you know mathematical balance uh to to the force
1: so, like, like a lot of good uh, aspects in you know, a fantasy tropes, like Dungeons and Dragons, here in Star Wars, that's one way to look at him burning balance is by sheer numbers of light side guys and numbers of dark side guys. Yep. But really, uh, Star Wars creators like Charles Soule and and Dave Filoni, who created Star Wars: The Clone Wars, uh, they have gone on record as to say that what the prophecy really meant wasn't so much about balancing light versus dark, because you know, as Luke taught us in the Last Jedi powerful light and powerful dark exist sometimes even on the same planet. That's mm-hmm. a that's a natural part of the force in the Star Wars galaxy. For what sure. they what the prophecy really meant to what Anakin has done through by, by by definition through through Rey and through Luke Skywalker and his daughter Leia is a balance between what individuals want to do and what the force is leading Mm. them to do. So it's a, it's an internal sense of balance rather than someone like Darth Sidious having an immense amount of dark side power so that he can manipulate you on a grand galactic scale or Mm -hmm. someone like Yoda having almost zero light side uh, exertion of power because they're so isolated and cut off from quote unquote the rest of the galaxy. Uh, it is a a balance between individuals living their lives and being led by the force almost through imperceptible means. Uh, You Mm. know, they say as a dungeon master, you have to lead your players around to do the story, but players hate it when you lead them by the nose, right? They hate it when you make them go a certain way. If you do it right, they won't be able to decide if you did anything at all. And that's the same way with bringing balance to the force. If you are in balance with the force, it'll be almost imperceptible as to is it the force leading me or is it me using the force to follow along on my path? Because your path should be lining up with the force. In this case, as Dungeon Master, you want your player's path to line up with the story you wrote. And that yeah. requires a lot of flexibility on your part. So sure. you become, in a way, you become the force in your game. And you have to adjust as to what happens. So if you've got a paladin who's like super awesome, you need to create a really good, a bad guy of evil power who is almost meeting him so the light rises and then in your case the dark to meet it check that challenge rating is this going to be a good enough opponent
0: (laughs) right that's right (laughs) and, and i love how you brought that up because it is the duty of the dungeon master the game master whether you're starting out or whether you've been playing for years it is your duty to find the balance between hey you know is you know what's the what's the balance between tension and drama within the story? Right. You know, are we necessarily creating a environment to foster the development of the player or are we developing an environment to, you know, just have my story, right? Let's say I as a dungeon master want to just create this story and here you go, you know, it's done. Well, yeah that kind of doesn't leave room for my players who want to just, you know, maybe they just want to traverse as adventurers drinking ale and mm-hmm. um, doing other travesties that I will not say. on the podcast. <laughs> um, let's just say they try to live the barred life. Um, yeah. And I, I've noticed that we have to have the balance and say, okay, I'm going to perhaps look at this at a, and from a different angle. You know, just like how Luke, you know, he viewed the Jedi from a different lens now when he started to rebuild his or or rather rebuild the temple and Mm -hmm. rebuild the Jedi order. Whether you look at it from the Legends perspective or the canon perspective, he still took the fact that, hey, what Obi-Wan taught me and what Yoda taught me and what my father fought against, all these different things come together and i have to create something new because hey there's nothing to base it off of and right. studying the jedi text and studying why i mean again episode 8 a lot of people don't like it but there's some really good points in there where luke says you know the jedi should die like mm-hmm. they they should doesn't mean that the jedi should there should be no jedi but what i really think it means is that the Jedi that we as people want, you know, fans of the movie, fans of the genre, that should die out. The, the, mm-hmm. the traditional means of a Jedi or the traditional viewpoint of a Jedi should die out. And again, kind of like being a dungeon master, that, that traditional view of being the main world builder, the main storyteller, you know, maybe it's time to kind of look at it and say, no, this is a joint effort. You're the facilitator of the adventure. You're the facilitator of the story, but you're not the main person. You're not God. So to speak, you, you, you act as it. And, you know, you control certain things and you make sure that there's always balance, but you're the facilitator. And I, and I wonder what your view on that is as a game master, do you view, you know, kind of like how the wills were in in the force, you know, for those people, for those people going deep cuts, Uh, with us here. Um, Do you believe that the game master should be kind of like the Wills or do you think that the game master should have more control like Sidious or do you
1: believe that a game master should be removed from it like Luke? So I think that, the, the answer to that is, uh, if I may quote the Bindu from Star Wars Rebels, I'm the one in the middle, right? So mm. I think the answer is somewhere in the, in the center of the Venn diagram of all those different Dungeon Master uh, portrayals that you just described. You know, I've played D&D since the first edition, right? Uh, I didn't play first edition when it was current, but I have played in first edition rules. Uh, I started with second edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've seen the, the idea, the role, and the purpose of the Dungeon Master evolve across all of these different editions. And uh, I look at it almost like you are now more storyteller plus referee than you are antagonist plus uh, puzzle maker. Now, lots of people like to have an antagonistic relationship with players because they're in control of the quote-unquote enemies. That's fine. Sure. You need a little bit of that. And lots of players enjoy good puzzles and riddles, so you need a little bit of that. But I feel that the days of the, the meat grinder, or we used to call it cheese grinder-type game, <laughs> where it's almost impossible for you as players to win, those yeah. days are, are and should be way in the past. Because... The hobby has grown so much. And Brian, Mm -hmm. as somebody who had to used to sneak and play by candlelight in a basement at a friend's house, I can't tell you how amazed I am (laughs) at the Dungeons and Dragons influences in Hollywood, all over YouTube, uh, contemporary animation shows like yours, podcasts out the wazoo. I, I never would have believed in my wildest dreams back in the 1990s that this would ever happen and that there would be so many... Uh, frankly, beautiful young women and you know, in and passionate young men who are playing Dungeons and Dragons together in public, in daylight, at a yep. at a shop, at a store that exists pretty much to play Dungeons and Dragons. Come on, man! What I the know. heck, it's, right?
0: I I am so happy for the generation that did not. How can I say this? That did not have to go through what we had to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, of the. Hey, are you, what are you playing? Dungeons and Dragons? That's from the devil. Yeah. You know, yo, we're,
1: gonna, um, we're not, we're not just going to take those books. We're going to burn them because I saw, I saw D and D books get burned. I did. And, and that's, you see, for me, I did not witness that.
0: I culturally, you know, my parents immigrated from Cuba. A lot of the mm-hmm. folks on the show know this. And I essentially played kind of a hodgepodge mix of D and D. It was, we took the minis, did more role play, you know, we did more uh, combat than anything through dice. And it, it was that. It was, again, it was a hodgepodge. We were pretty much yeah. playing Lord of the Rings in yeah. our minds. And, and then the Pokemon card game came out, and we were like, oh, cool, we're going to go to that because it's widely accepted by mm-hmm. everyone. And our parents were like, yeah, sure, no problem, whatever. That's yeah. okay because everyone, it was, it's, very, it's very funny to look at that now. You know, living, you know, having lived in South Florida and then living in in Charlotte, North Carolina, where culturally it was different. Like when I was in middle school, high school and whatnot, um, Heroes Con was getting, you know, big, you know, big comic book convention. And you saw, you barely saw Dungeons and Dragons. You saw a lot of Star Wars. You saw a lot of this. And you saw a lot of Lord of the Rings because the movies were at the time. We're pretty big. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. They're great pieces of film. Um, that's, that is a, and that's a completely different episode for a completely different day. <laughs> right, but, right. But it's one of those things that, and you said it in the beginning of the show, Star Wars, I think, opened the floodgates for those people. You know, the, the beautiful people that get to play now in public and not feel ashamed, nor do they, n- n- nor should they feel ashamed Or should they ever get bullied, but they now can play in the open without any criticism. And I think Star Wars really kind of took a sledgehammer, took that door, and they just beat that
1: door and it, it busts wide open. Yeah, yeah, and the floodgates were opened because people, uh, human beings, love fantasy. Human beings love stories. We love yeah. telling stories. We love oral history traditions. We love getting around the campfire and sharing, you know, tales from the days of yore about legendary heroes. And and For that's sure. what makes that's what makes a game of Dungeons and Dragons great. It transcends something beyond a rules system. Although the rules are important, and in my opinion, Fifth Edition right now is one of the best places the game has ever been uh but the but beyond the rule system it's what you put into the game energy wise you and the players so to get back to the original question because you know i rambled a bit uh the dungeon master that does a good job is a lot like the force in star wars like i said Mm. if you do it well the players won't realize that you had to do this or that activity to get them back on track you know you'd need You lead, you lead them where you want them to go in, in subtle ways. And then I think the dungeon master's main job is make sure everybody's having fun. That includes yourself. Sure. If you sure. as Dungeon Master are not having fun, then you know, change things up because your job is to make sure everybody at the table is having fun. Or <laughs> it, during these dark days of COVID-19, everybody in the Zoom call is having fun. <laughs> Brian, Brian have, you, have you played remotely? I mean, we've played remotely at GaryCon, obviously. But have you played remotely otherwise during this quarantine?
0: This coming Friday, so the 24th, um, I will be playing my first, I will be continuing my first session online as a DM um, just because we all, you know, my players are working, they're, they're developers. So they, they're doing a bunch of things at their job. And it's, it's, I'm not going to lie. It's been, you know, I'm kind of like the, the the memes that you see on the internet of just a guy looking sadly outside the window waiting <laughs> yeah. for his friends to come back. And, and my wife jokes around, Saying like don't worry you you know you all will start playing again and, and it's true we're we, you know thanks to technology mm-hmm. i think technology in this case has only improved our dnd session it's not going to remove the physical aspect right mm-hmm. once this is all over you're going to see game stores flood My prediction.
1: I I cannot wait to get back to game. We got so many great game stores here in the Charlotte area. We Uh, really do. Your local game store over in uh, Mid Hill, uh, the Mighty Meeple up in Concord, uh, uh, Carolina Tabletop Games, they're in Pineville. I could go on and on about all the places I I miss hanging out at. Um, But but I have played three times uh, D&D by Zoom. Uh, Well, actually twice by Zoom and once by uh, Discord. Um, And for an old hand like me, or as I like to say, an old grognard like me, uh, doing it it in the theater of the mind without miniatures or anything is the way we used to always do it, right? And so for me, it was not a hard transition. Now for my kids who, you know, my, my, my boys are 19 and 15, uh, respectively, uh, for my kids, doing it without miniatures was a little harder because they kept having to ask the dungeon master to clarify, okay, where am I in relation to the bad guys Mm -hmm. and my, my teammates? And, um, but you know, we got over it after about 10, 15 minutes and had some really cool sessions. And that's all, and that's pretty, and,
0: and it's pretty awesome. I'm glad that you were all able to do that because, you know, there's a couple of different systems that you can use. I've i really liked Vorpal Board. Uh, shout yeah. out to them, yeah. um, just because they theirs is really conducive to playing any tabletop game, whether it's D and D, whether it's I mean, heck, it could be your, it could be you can even play Legion. Yeah, in, you can. In, with Vorpal. And for those folks who don't know what Legion is, it is a fantastic tabletop miniatures game. Um, And correct me if I'm wrong, because you you can either do the Galactic Civil War or it could be um, the Clone Wars. Pretty much Mm -hmm. you have the ability to play tabletop, tabletop strategic war gaming set in the Star Wars universe.
1: Yes, and you can mix and match and have the Grand Army of the Republic face off against the Empire if you want to. Um, You can even have rebels fight rebels, you know. Uh, And it's a really great game. Uh, Cool custom dice from Fantasy Flight games and beautiful uh, miniatures that uh, you assemble and paint. Yeah, you assemble and paint yourselves, uh, which I have a lot of fun with because I've done that for years now with Warhammer 40,000. But it's so much fun to do that with Star Wars characters. Um, Oh, a believer
0: of 40K, huh?
1: Oh, good times. Yeah, I've been playing 40K since 4th edition. And for those of you who are playing uh, Dungeons & Dragons on 5th edition, you think, gosh, that's a lot of editions. 40K is on their 8th edition. So I've been playing that game way, way too long. Or not long enough, depending on who you ask. Hmm. hmm.
0: Now we must must think about this question. Yes, this is why you're the bearded nerd. So you have the beard to stroke while you contemplate. That's right. I contemplate and brood like Batman.
1: Yes, exactly. Just saying. Well, Brian, this has been a blast, man. Uh, Before we wrap it up, though, uh, you were saying that you're involved in a Dungeons & Dragons Star Wars game, right? Yes, I appreciate you bringing that up because
0: I have this notion where I talk a lot about, you know, I talk a lot about world building, world building, but a place where you can actually view it is – it's on Behold the d and podcast, and we, we're streaming, essentially. Well, we're, we're hopefully going to stream, but right now we record a podcast. It is a fifth edition uh, conversion that's set in the Star Wars universe. It's actually set in the Old Republic. So those Ooh, folks okay. out there who enjoy kind of that deep cuts Old Republic, you're going to like it. My, per- my character right now, his name is Hal. Jordan. So for for those folks out there that uh, see where I'm going. In brightest
1: day and darkest night.
0: Yeah, exactly. And essentially my character is a, he's a force wielder and he's not a Jedi, nor is he a Sith. He Mm -hmm. is what you would call, you know, and some people have called the gray Jedi. Mm -hmm. Some people have said, you know, different things, but he is a believer in the force. And essentially the reason why he left the Jedi's is because he is going, this is kind of where he is seeing the connection between the Jedi's just warring constantly with the Sith Mm -hmm. and siding with the Republic and doing all these different things and just kind of stepping away from the fact that Hal, my character wants to say, no, I have created a temple with other like-minded individuals who want to pursue the force. They want to pursue the teachings of the force, whether that is light side or dark side. Um, again, constant balance. So that's who I play right now. And my, basically where everyone's at, I am looking for material or my character is looking for material um, to better learn about the force because my character is a historian. So mm-hmm. He, you know, the players are, you know, the players and probably the audience have gotten frustrated with me because there's been fights and stuff and, you know, Hal doesn't want to do that. He will fight if he needs to, but Hal would rather observe and see. And really his goal is to find more artifacts, whether Sith artifacts or not, or, you know, holocrons, whatever you want to call it. About the force, so I think it's really I think you know, especially with this episode, this blends how you can create how honestly Star Wars and fantasy, medieval fantasy like D and D work together.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that sounds like a really cool campaign. You're you should have Hal start talking about the Bindu, like I was saying earlier from Star Wars Rebels. He's I really the, the guy. It. The guy in the middle, you know, and such a great character voiced by in the cartoon voiced by Tom Baker, the fourth doctor from Doctor Who. So all kinds of excellent geek DNA in that character. There really is, to be honest with you, now that I think about it, it's like you
0: can start seeing like, hmm, you know what? I actually uh, there I th- you don't feel a disturbance in the force, but rather you feel a connection to the force with all the geek
1: DNA in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. That's cool. I look forward to to watching some of those episodes of y'all Star Wars D anD D game. Well, I appreciate it. One question that I have uh, for you
0: before we wrap up: um, what, where I get rather, what is a good place where people can find you? Where can they follow you? Where can they hear the
1: podcast at if they want to check out your podcast? sure thing uh, you can find me personally on Twitter at ScotticusMax. Max I'm also over on Instagram where I post mostly photographs of those Star Wars Legion models we were talking about my Instagram is uh, Derek underscore Gray named after my first Star Wars role-playing game character from 1998 by the way uh, and nice. then um, you can find me on Facebook under my real name that's Scott Baltman. Uh the podcast is What a Piece of Junk a Star Wars podcast on the fandom podcast network and uh, you can find fandom podcast network stuff at fpnet.podbean.com or you can just search for us on the apple uh itunes store uh, Google Play. Uh, we're on iHeartRadio, brother. Can you believe that? No yeah, So Yeah, you can find us on iHeartRadio as well. It's uh, Fandom Podcast Network. And we've got all kinds of shows, not just Star Wars. Doctor Who, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, uh, big-time 1980s action flicks. Uh, that one's called The Lethal Mullet Podcast. How, how that is the awesome. Is that? The <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Good stuff. Anyway, but yeah, Fandom Podcast Network. Just search up What a Piece of Junk. And we have a, a Star Wars page as well for What a Piece of Jonka Star Wars podcast. Uh, and then I do write my own science fiction novels. If you want to read some of my books, you can go to my author website, which is writegreatscott.com.
0: That's awesome. I've actually, that's one thing that I did not know about um, you as a writer. I know mm-hmm. you wrote a lot of things, you know, again, Jason from Critical Dice, um, he alluded to the fact that you used to write. But I did not. And again, used to was a, he yeah, underlined yeah. that. And I was like, hmm, is he just being yep. one of those best friends that kind of like says, yeah, he used to write ha ha ha? Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. is he doing that? No, I no, we, no, Jason's a great guy. He would, he doesn't have a bad, a bad bone in his body. But anyway, I'm really glad and I'm really appreciated that you came onto the podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation. And for folks out there, please stop by. Um, follow Scott. Check out the podcast. If you like this podcast, feel free to subscribe um, where you, wherever you consume podcasts. And until next time, folks, keep gaming.